We've been in a series of messages together that we're talking about Christmas secrets, things about God that maybe you didn't know or if you know them and maybe you'd forgotten them and God's rekindling that fire in your life. And, and some of you maybe already just watching the kids have been brought back to a simpler time of what Christmas is about. Now, I want you to look on the screen as the verse is coming. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, here's what it says, for unto you. Now, think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. If I could, and I had a prompter to do it, I'd underline those words, those first three words, for unto you. Would you say those words with me out loud? For unto you. When you give somebody something, it's from you to them. Now, think about this. Imagine that if I brought the kids up and, and they sat down together and I had a gift for them, but it was something that nobody would want. I mean, how, how, can you imagine me bringing a rotary phone in and saying to a kid, that's your Christmas gift? They'd probably what? They'd laugh at me. Here's what happens with Christmas. We buy all these gifts, but oftentimes we don't personalize some of us may be like a, a friend of mine who goes the last day before Christmas and buys all of his gifts. Now, if that's you, don't raise your hand. And I'm like, how do you do that in the midst of all of that? They're, they're like, well, I just don't have time the rest of the year. Can I tell you with a personal illustration that Jesus Christ on the perfect day was born? Now, look at this. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have received him as Lord and Savior? Amen. If you have, can I get you to do something with me? Psalm 117 and 1 says this. Praise the Lord, all nations. Lift him up, all peoples. For great is his steadfast Lord toward us. So can I get you in the way that you would celebrate somebody giving you a gift? Would you just say thank you to Jesus out loud or clap your hands or whatever you, let's just thank him for his gift to us this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise his name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know what my Sherry would be doing as soon as the gifts are being opened. She's got out another card. She's writing down their name because she's going to send them a thank you note. You know, God, God's note to you today is that I love you. And I, and I did my best uh, this morning. I've, I've struggled all week long for this message. Actually, all the whole weekend. I don't know why. Usually, it just comes so easily for me and uh, by the grace of God. But I've just really struggled hard. I, actually, in the, in the first service last night, I, I preached the message in a certain way. And in the, if you're in the second service, I did it totally different because I was just struggling through it. Well, today I'm not struggling. This morning I got up around 5 o'clock, and an hour before I got up, I, I was lying a bit. I guess I was snoring. I heard these sweet words in my room saying this, please be quiet. <laughs> a, Christmas, a Christmas memory. And I want to tell you that in that moment, I, I got quiet and God, God, God woke me up. I began thinking about through this mess today, and I tried to, tried, tried, Gabriel, I tried to personalize the, the impact of Christmas. Imagine the impact on Joseph. When he heard the news that, that his wife, he did not hear it, I believe, first of all, from her. I believe that he heard it, first of all, from people gossiping. You see, all of us have, have skeletons in our closet. Can I get an amen? Now, you may not want to admit it, but we all do. And so Joseph was one to put her away privately, Matthew says, and, but then the angel spoke to him. And so most people traveling those 90 miles, and it was a 90-mile journey from Nazareth, probably would not have known this nothing of a carpenter. But they didn't realize this. This man was connected to a king 
He was from the tribe of David, of David's lineage, 2 Samuel 7. And here was this nothing of a carpenter that the world had written off, but God said, I value you. But alongside of him was Mary, and, and if you were here Sunday night for our Christmas production, how Elsie just did, did a great job leading in, in that moment of telling us how that Mary must have felt. But I, I believe this, that Mary must have been in that moment overwhelmed because in just in a few hours and a few days, she would give birth to the Son of God. Months earlier in, in Luke chapter 1, it records it down in verse 31. It said this, that the angel spoke to her and said, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great. What mother does not want to give birth to a great child? Who, who would not want to do that? I mean, you're getting ready now in a few months. We would not want to do that. Others are getting ready for that. You want to give birth to a great child, but none compares to Jesus. He will be the son of the most high, the Bible says. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. So as they were working their way, if anybody knew them, it was really a secret of what really was going on. All they were doing was gossiping and thinking about that. But the truth of the matter is this is a big moment for us. Look on the screen. One of the reasons why that Jesus came, as it comes up for you on the screen, Jesus Christ came to bring our sins out of the closet. You may never realize this about Christmas. For the purpose of wiping the slate clean. When Jesus came, he came as Savior to wipe that slate clean. Psalm 103 and 10 says, as far away as the east is from the west, so far as he taken our sins and removed them. I'm celebrating this Christmas that the one who came in a manger came and his blood was perfect. His life was perfect and he lived an entire perfect life. And you may not understand all that today, but I'm telling you this, that there was no baby ever like Jesus who grew up to be no man like Jesus, for he was the God man. And as I think about that with you today, I, I want you to know this, that it said in verse 11, the angel said that he is Lord. Now think about that for me for just one moment. I, I believe this here's, here's a tr hidden truth as it comes on the screen for you. Look at this as it comes on the screen. Unless Jesus is your Lord, he will not become your Savior. You say, wait a minute now. I thought you'd get saved and make him Lord. One, one pastor in his congregation stood one Sunday morning in a mega church, and he said this. He said, oftentimes, and I'm quoting, I meet people who come up to me, and they kind of pull their chest back, and they say something like this, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. He said, here's what I do. It's a humbling moment for them. I respond. He said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but he was already Lord before you came along, and he is. See, one of the most magnificent doctrines of our faith is, is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, what in the world does that word Lord mean? Well, look on the screen. The word Lord means this. It is one who has authority over other people. You see, a long while before you were born, Jesus was Lord. A long while before David was born, Jesus was Lord. A long while before Abraham came along, Jesus was Lord. And despite what was on my Facebook this morning, on my, one of my pages that said they discovered a baby elephant that was 30,000 years old, it can't be because the world's not that old. But ever how old the world is, Jesus was Lord before there was the world. But think about this fact of how much he values you, that he would come down to this earth and teach us this powerful truth, that he would come, become God incarnate, that he would take upon himself the form of a human being. And as it comes on the screen for you, Christ, now watch this, Christ coming is the glorious story of God becoming one of us. 
So let me ask you, is there anyone in your life who can totally identify with you? Is there anyone who that, watch this, that can not only identify with you, but can do something about your circumstance? You see, if, if all those kids today, and then we got a ton more who are not here, a part of our church and ministry, if all the kids that are part of our ministry would come up to me and say, Pastor Keith, we're in desperate need. Can you help us with our rent at our home? Can I tell you this with all my heart, with everything that Sherry and I, with our resources together, we would give to try to make sure somebody would have another month in their home. We would in this church give, but I want to tell you, we don't have enough resources for everybody. But I want to tell you this, when it comes to someone's soul and their life, there is a God who came from heaven who has the resources. Now watch this. One reason, he's Lord. Because he's Lord. He's in all authority over everything in this world. The Webster's Dictionary says someone in authority is somebody who rules by hereditary right or preeminence who others serve in obedience. So let me ask you this. Is he your Lord? Now, this is an important question this morning because when C.S. Lewis and, and his writing in a book in, entitled Miracles, it's in your notes, in, uh, not on the screen, but it's in your notes if you have them with you. And, and listen to what he said, and I quote, in the Christian story, God descended so he could ascend. He comes down and watch, the Lord comes down. If I see a Lord, someone in authority, even if I don't agree with them, I, I'm going to give them honor. You say, what do you mean? I was in Egypt down in a suit. In Egypt, there, there is the president, and then there are regions. There, there we call them governors. There's seven or eight regions. And we went to a suit, a, a 90 million people in that city, and we went there, and we got to see the, the governor, or he, they called him president, and we went in, and he is a practicing Muslim. But Lane, when we went in, I want to tell you this, we came in and, and, and the guy was with me, knows me well. He says, I know that, that Jesus is your Lord. He said, but would you please be kind enough to just bow down a little bit so we don't get killed here today? I had no problem with that because I was respecting his office. Whether I agree with whoever the sitting president might be, I will respect him because he's in a position of authority, and the Scripture teaches in Romans 13 to do that. And so when I think about God, whether I want to tell you this, whether you know him as your Lord or not, he is Lord, and you owe him to thank him for your bread, to thank him for your water, to thank him for all that he's done. But I pray that you want to because he's your Lord. Now listen to what he goes on to say this. He comes down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, but he goes downward and comes up again and brings the whole, listen to this, ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. As we sat with the, with the president of Egypt in that region of a suit, and he began to tell us about his country, and, and I asked him why he followed uh, Allah, and he said this, I hope that Allah can solve the problem. I believe Allah is the answer to the problems. But can I tell you this? He said, but I, I, I like your Jesus. He said, because your Jesus has done so much for our country, and we welcome people who serve Jesus. Now, how could that be? How could it be a man who would say that I believe that Allah is the answer, but at the same time, I believe that Jesus is the answer? Listen to this. Here was the guy. He's in transition. He's trying to figure out who really is Lord. And on this Christmas Sunday, maybe that might be your issue today. 
It may be that you are a follower, but you haven't decided the issue of lordship because when lordship comes in, you show up and say like we, we say with the kids, yes, sir, Lord. Yes, sir, Lord, because you are literally, watch that you are Lord of my life. Pastor Chris, I wish I could say 24-7, I serve him in my practice as he's Lord. But I'd be lying. Anyone else? I'm on that journey, but I know he is Lord, and, and I've surrendered to that, but God's working things out in my life, and I hope that he is in yours. You say, Pastor, I'm not understanding this. Well, if you look in your Bible in Luke chapter 2, I hope that you are. In verse 12, it says this, and this will be a sign for you, Luke 2 and 12, that you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and he will be lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. They were praising, now watch this, God. See, Jesus is Lord and God, saying glory to God in the highest and on the earth peace among those, watch this, whom he is pleased. You see, if the Lord does not reach out his hand of blessing, you will not be blessed. Now, you might not want to admit that. If our president called for your execution today in this country, you can defy it all that you want to, but eventually, because he is the president, what's going to happen? You see, the, the angels of heaven understand the, his lordship, and they wanted these humble shepherds to know this. And the scripture says, when the angel went away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing. Have you ever met someone who lives under the lordship of Jesus? Have you really ever met someone? I want to ask you this. When people meet you, who, who do they think is your lord? Let me just use a couple of examples. When you're talking about other people, do they see you as talking as the Lord? You see, as a young man, I was really bad uh, about bantering and kidding and, and riding people. Anybody else like that? I guess I'm the only one. Y'all pray for me, sincerely. But I learned something that I was not adding value as my Lord did, and as I began to study the New Testament and the life of Jesus, Miss Lucy, I began to realize that my words were not reflecting what my Lord would want me to say to somebody. Am anybody getting this? And it changed me. And it still changed me. Because sometimes Eric and I will get together. We'll just start kidding, won't we, brother? And we'll just all of a sudden, next thing you know, we'll forget who's Lord. Let me use one other illustration. When someone looks at your life vocation and what you're striving after, how can they tell who's Lord of what you're striving after? When Jesus came, he came in submission as Lord to his Lord, the Father. It was so amazing to these shepherds that they said, we're going to go over and see it. And they went in verse 16. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I mean, he's in a manger. What can a baby do? It cannot talk. And I know mamas who give birth to babies think they're the most beautiful thing on the face of the earth. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Don't, don't be emailing me afterwards. So when I heard, what did you say about my kid? Yours is beautiful. But now notice this what the Scripture says. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. When they saw it, there was something so moving about this baby and what they had heard that they tied it together. I believe this with all my heart. Even at his infancy, Brother Chris, they saw him as Lord. 
When Christ is Lord of someone's life, the, the impact is so profound that whether you agree with it or not, it does something to your life. The president of a Sioux in that region spoke to me afterwards, and he said this. He said, thank you for your kindness, and your Jesus is welcome always in a suit. I wrote about him in one of the books that I wrote, and I'm praying to this day. I don't, he may have already come to Christ, Rick. I don't know. But I know this. If Jesus is Lord in 2023, you and I can say, no longer I, but Christ. So the Bible says this, and when they saw it, they, they made known to everyone concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered about what the shepherds had heard. You see, he was Lord. The Apostle Paul would write later on in, in his day, he would write about this Jesus. If you remember these words, Philippians 2 and 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. From the very beginning, he became a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. I really am into my conclusion now. There, there are two questions I want to lay before your heart. One is this, what did the Lord do for you? Now, what did he do for you? I mean, think about the babe in the manger that grew up. What did he do for you? Now, I, I know this in the eyes of the world. They, they can't figure this. I, I wrote this down for you. See if it makes any sense. He, as it comes on the screen, he, now watch this, in the eyes of the world, humiliated himself by setting aside his rights as Lord. Whoever is Lord and says, hey, I, I, I'm going to set that aside. We know this, that, that's his self-emptying. John MacArthur said this, Jesus removed every advantage he ever had. He chose for a period of time to set aside a divine right of his behavior. He forsook the worship of the saints and the angels in heaven and submitted to misunderstanding, denials, and unbelief. He voluntarily paused from exercising the full use of his attributes. He did more than become a servant. He put on the clothes of a slave and served others more completely than any other servant who had ever lived. He became one of us except for one thing without sin. Have you ever met anyone who so followed their Lord that they would put aside their comforts and go where he wants them to go? I've never done that full time in my life, but every time that we go, go overseas on missions, I'm always amazed how that some people are just uh, blown away by what they have to sacrifice. I mean, for example, you, you put aside the, the Charmin toilet paper and you're just glad if you got any while you're there. And you're like, how do these people live like that? Because you see, for a moment, you've humbled yourself. Has Christmas impacted you that today, as, as our brother innkeeper said last Sunday night, have you made room at your table today for someone else? See, that's what Jesus would do. Have you today come to this place and, and, and really thought about all this and thought, I'm not going to humiliate myself and walk down that aisle and pray a prayer for Jesus? I'm not going to humiliate myself and give up my, my college years. I, I'm going to enjoy myself. and You can just wait, Lord Jesus. I'm coming to you now. When I come, it's going to be good for you. No, friend, he's Lord. And I want to let you, if you're a younger person in this room, I, I want to let you in on this. I have seen people who followed your path and made him Lord 
and older in life, and they lived to the end of their days regretting those years in between when God spoke to them and when they responded. I just want to tell you today, he is Lord. And it's not humiliating to bow before him. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's, it's a pleasure. Second thing that people say this, in the, eyes, in the eyes of the world, they believe this, that he destroyed himself by dying on a cross. Do you know the people when he died of that day, they walked by, spit upon him? I suspect some, some, some brilliant man of that day probably looked up at the cross and said, what a waste. What a waste. I want to tell you that Jesus' humiliation was for my forgiveness. His humiliation was for my peace. His humiliation was so that I could could be born and and live this life apart from sin, that I could live this life and have all the blessing that I have. And so, friend, today, if, if I don't get one gift from anybody in the world, if nobody says good sermon and nobody says Merry Christmas, listen to me, I am highly favored and blessed. Paul said that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. We say, why did he do all that? Well, look on the screen. He did it. Watch this. He did it for all of humanity, what we couldn't do for ourselves. You ever get happy with the Lord? When I was a kid, I just get so happy with the gifts. I mean, I couldn't wait. I was one of those sneaks. Anybody else that would do? I mean, I was so good. I could unwrap a present and wrap it back. You'd never know it. Because I couldn't wait. This morning as I sat before the Lord in my office uh, with, with, my, with my door shut, trying to be quiet because we have visitors in our home, I said, Lord, what is it that you at this point of the message would want me to share? God, you've been so good to me. And God gave me eight things that he had done for me. Here, here they are. Just, you, don't, you won't have time to write them down because they're going to be kind of come like a Gatlin gun. They're going to come pretty quick. I was adopted into God's family the day I was saved. I became a joint heir with Jesus. I, listen to me. He atoned for my sin. He redeemed me, Romans 3, 21 through 25. I was, it was as if I had never sinned. He gave me his amazing grace. I didn't want him, Romans 3 and 10. I had walked away from him. I, did, I didn't seek any of him at all. But he came to me, Brother Chris, and he said, believe on me and I'll save you. He gave me grace. I was awakened in, for, to my purpose for life. You see, God, some people say this. They, the, the, they were cut out to be something, but when they got sold up, they were something else. I was cut out to be a preacher of the gospel, never knew it. I was cut out to, to, to lead my family and, and to be their dad and, and to be a husband to share. I was cut out to be a shepherd. I was cut out for all these things. And let me tell you, I was trying to sew myself up to be something different. But can I tell you today of the amazing grace of God that when he saved me and made me a new creation, he awakened me the very first thing. He said, remember what your mama said? Remember what I made you for? Get out from being a coward. Get out from trying to serve yourself and become what I want you to be. And I say, praise be unto God. There's nothing like living for your purpose. But also this, I was awakened that God had anointed my life and gave me a friend closer than a brother called the Holy Spirit. And he walks with us and he talks with us. I was amazed that, that God had gave me an assignment for my life. You see, many people live their lives. They change jobs. They change careers. They do this, that. They jump from place to place. But when God redeems you and sets you on the right course, he realizes, he tells you this, wherever you go, be a witness for me. 
Since my lifetime, Mike, I have a lifetime assignment from God. It will never change. It's all of my life. And listen to it. Also this, I got to be a part of the family of God. This morning, the texts from all over the country and on Facebook Messenger and other places, all over the world of people that are in my family. And by the way, they're in your family, and don't forget them. See, Jesus did this for you, and one last thing is this. I thought about the assurance I have of eternal life. You see, Jesus is in heaven making a place right now, and someday he's going to come either through his second coming or through my, my death. He's, he's going to come, and when he comes, I, I'm, I'm going to be raptured up, not raptured down. My last breath here will be my first breath there. And so I wrapped those eight gifts, and I said to you, I want to say this to you today, God has done so much for you. So here's the other question, what will you do for the Lord? Hmm. You say, now, Keith, I, 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 that's your story, and that's other people's stories, but, but Keith, I just want to tell you, my life's a mess. I, I, I've heard your story. You got saved young. You wasn't a mess, but I, I'm a mess. Keith, I've made so many mistakes. Can Jesus save me? Well, can I give you, now watch this. I told you that, that God intends for Christmas to be a personal and have impact. Let me give you just one quick illustration. Early on in Jesus' ministry, he was 30 years of age when he began his ministry, and for three and a half years he ministered. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus one night was by himself praying, and in the next morning, apparently prayed all night as much as he loved the Father. His disciples before daylight came to him, and, and they said, Jesus, where are you? What have you been doing? And, he, and he, he said, let us be going from here because I must be about my Father's work. And as they're going, listen to what the Bible says. It's early in his ministry. A leper came up to Jesus. Did you hear what I just re read? A leper. That did not happen. A leprosy was taboo, and you didn't get around anybody. You stayed at a safe distance. You would even cry out, unclean, unclean. But he came to Jesus. One translation says he fell before him, and he pleaded with him. Listen to these words. If you will, you can make me clean. Now, listen to this. Later in his ministry, Jesus saw a group of people that, that, that they were trying to heal a man's son who was demon-possessed, and he said to the, to the Lord, I brought them to your disciples, but they could do nothing. Is there something you can do? I want to tell you today, I can't pray your child into heaven, and neither can you. I can't get baptized for them. You can have a child baptized in its infancy. That won't get them into heaven. I can't change this country myself. There's just no way that I can. Whatever your sin is, we all have it. There, there's just no way. Because listen to me, there has to be somebody greater than your sin because if there's not somebody greater than your sin, that whatever your sin will always lord over your life. Is that true? I look at a retired pastor who's really not a retired pastor who was an alcoholic and God saved him as a man. You see, what, what was Lord over him, now he lorded over because another Lord came in and took authority. That's Christmas. And so there he was, and, and this leper, he said, if you, Lord, if you want to, I'll be clean. And Jesus spoke to him, and he said these words, I will 
be clean. And in that moment, Jesus took lordship over this man's leprosy, and it was gone. There's not much a baby can say in a manger, is it? It's not much a baby can say over the cry. It's kind of crazy to me. People ooh and ah, and, 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 you know, and that baby's speaking in tongues, and that mama knows what that baby wants. But for that baby to have impact, that baby has to grow up. Jesus grew up. And as the perfect son of God, he grew up and took our place on the cross. And Mark Linton, the day that you got it right with him and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and if you're willing, I'll be forgiven. He was willing. <laughs> you see, if you die without the Lord and stand before him and, and begin to make excuses and say, you know, Lord, you should have done this, that. If you'd have done this, you'd have done that. God, if you'd done this or you'd done that, I, 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 would, I would be your servant. And, and the Lord look at you and say, no, sir. No, ma'am, I was willing from the beginning to the end of your life. Why was he willing? Because he's Lord. So, child of God today, aren't you glad he's Lord? I have, the skeletons at my hometown would say in my closet, they have no record of them in heaven. The things that used to lord over me no longer lord over me. And I could give you a list, and I would say this, that Jesus is Lord over every one of them. So, Christian, if there's something that's lording over you today, give it to Jesus. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.